0: So you ready to rock and roll? I'll do the right,
1: same. So, so when you first heard like the digital futurist branding, um, mm-hmm. and I know that was kind of what we talked about last episode on the podcast, what were your first thoughts? Like, I'm curious from your side, because you're not Gen Z, but you're not right. an elder millennial. Uh, what, was, what was your take on that originally?
0: I think that it encompasses your brand perfectly. Um, because you know what, well, and I've told you this before, you know, you don't have a niche per se, but it's a very generalist idea. And then all of a sudden you came up with this title. That's just like, perfect. (laughs) Like, you know, not focusing so much on the trends and like where people are going per se. Um, but how we're going to evolve in as a society and adapt technology as opposed to like working. I feel like every time something happens, it's like we're working against the technology against, you know, the trends and, and the changes. And I feel like by, by calling yourself a digital futurist and kind of moving forward with a digital futurist brand, you're really going to do more of getting people to connect with their technology and work with it as opposed to against it, especially yeah, and in think, business.
1: I'm glad you said that because I think part of it too, for me, was that, I mean, I, like, I went back in the archives, right? And so 2012, I was labeled a futurist by uh, a couple of different brands as they like quoted me and the things that, and I was yeah. like, man, what was my feeling on why? Why didn't I go with that early on? And part of it was because A, like there's some really like uh, faith popcorn is one that comes to mind. There's some futurists that are like, their idea is bold predictions, right? Like I think of it as right. like the Jetsons. And so like, yeah. she'll be like, she'll be like, humans will not have sex any more um, in, in real life by two thousand and fifty as all all pleasure that would be gained in that direction will be, will happen virtually and i 'm like, like and i 've seen her present and and she does this uh, her her own report and it's but it 's very insightful, and she has her own twist on it right. and then there was also like the analyst group that i 've always felt like analysts had like this weird pay to play mentality where they they wrote about things of course, by brands that were paying them, and then they also like mm-hmm had a very jaded piece of attachment to, you know, like giving a lot of advice on a topic that they've never deployed or never right. implemented. And that, I think that was part of the bother, but you're right. When um, and I'll give full credit to, um, my speaker agent, Michelle Joyce, uh, shout out to Michelle. Um, she's the one that like, we were just sitting there at the table and we were talking about word of mouth and like, um, you know, some of the things that I openly admit that, you know, I'm the president of no team, no niche. I, I, I own that. Right but I also realized that there has to be something that when someone is describing me that that allows me to be memorable and stand out. And that's where I came from. And I remember when I, when I messaged you uh, directly uh, and I messaged like three people, you got them back immediately with like, hell yeah in all caps. Um, Yeah. I
0: was like, like, yeah, I think that, I think that might resonate. Well, especially today. So, I mean, even businesses are having this issue and, and you know, you kind of talk about it, uh, you talk about it a lot more, because I think you kind of came to this realization that like, people need to know what it is that you're selling. So like, you know, we know we need to build communities, we know that people aren't buying products, they're buying community, right? They're buying a mission and values. Um, and so you you had that part down pat, right? Like people knew who you are. Um, but then it's like, Oh, shit, now how do we pay him? Like what? What, what is he bringing, you know? And I think that your awareness for that, your self-awareness that you've, you know, really stepped into this last year, it's just been like dead on. Um, And, and going back to the bold predictions versus, you know, the analysts, right? I think that's really interesting because we, as a society, we're pushing back against like higher education, for instance, and saying all these people aren't practitioners they're teaching from theory i had that exact same experience i went to college for social media marketing and while i loved my professor she had never deployed social campaigns right right um and and we're pushing back against that but are we pushing back against the analysts who have never deployed these campaigns i don't know that that that's happened yet
1: right and i think that's so it's so funny that you say that because there's also this sense for me that i've always taken great offense to the idea that those that can't do teach that like right. statement, like I think I think if we go back in the archives. Like I think it's like episode seven of this show. Um, I like was fired up because I I was I, I think I was interviewed on a podcast and I was talking to people like really what my like I struggled through college. I I completely admit that you know a little bit of my ADHD. I loved college. I loved fraternity life i loved hockey life um i i you know i met my wife who who, my ex-wife who was the mother of my children um but like school was still a struggle and for me that was shocking because high school was a struggle because it was high school uh college was like hey this is where i'm gonna set myself up and then you know and part of the thing that was interesting for me is that when i became you know got my first real world job after um you know a couple a a year or so not being able to get a job in my profession and then i raised my hand and the the story goes and i took over Uh, training course. I remember feeling like this is my like calling. Like I can help people simplify some of the things that they want to do, and and connect it to examples that make sense to them. But then right. at the same time, realizing, wait a second, I'm not a teacher. I'm not like you know like and I and I think on that same note, to your point on like the analysts, you know like there's a belief, and I and I'll give a shout out to Scott Stratton, kind of my speaking hero. He all, he would he's reminded me a couple of times in, in great conversations I've had with him that a lot of times as a speaker, we get caught up on the, the need or the, the belief that we must be the expert, the practitioner. But really oftentimes right. what we are paid for is our unique point of view and our ability to convey something to the audience in a way that moves them, right? And so it's technically right. like as a speaker, you're like, I don't need to be the one that's deploying all these things and currently actively using them. But I need to be able to relate, right? And I think as an, you know, in that analyst space, you're very correct in the, the fact that it hasn't got very much pushback. Um, my old business partner, my co-host of my Smack Talk podcast, Daniel Newman, um, he saw this as a major gap. I remember him being very passionate about it. And he started his own um, analyst firm called Futurum Research. And part of it was he wanted, he wanted to be an analyst that was socially conscious, creator of content, and understood with the role of an influencer versus the role of an analyst, and right. it was really interesting. And I remember at the time, like I kind of wish I had money at the time so I could have invested <laughs> everything and gone all in at a time. Um, and and Daniel has been an amazing friend. But I remember I remember being like, "Dude, that's that is killer." But I don't know if it's going to work because it's a good old boys club or girls club. There's mm-hmm. it's not as all girl good old boys. But um, it's and we're living in interesting times in that case, right? Because. You are in higher ed now, and for those that are listening here on the show, you are hearing a, a new voice, but not a voice that you guys are not familiar with, um, back in August of 2018. I actually just pulled up the Twitter DM. Um, oh, boy. I, oh, yeah. Uh, Brie reached out in August of 2018, um, who is the voice that you're hearing here on the, on this episode, um, and really just connected, uh, saying that she found some of my content uh, helpful, and that she had seen me speak at Social Media Day uh, Wichita, and uh, lo and behold, within like uh, you know two months or so, uh, we became kind of fastly connected. I uh, not only admitted to needing help in the SEO content space, but um, Brie kind of dove in on my podcast, said, Hey, I'll help you write show notes. So, if you guys have read any of the blogs on the website or any of the things that have been supporting uh, the podcast pretty much for the last year. Um, that has been done by Brie. And so Brie, give the, give the audience, uh, who maybe has been reading your voice, but uh, (laughs) give us a quick little background on who you are. and We'll get into a little bit of this topic and we have some fun stuff for you guys that are listening, a little bit of teaser preview, and this won't be the only time you hear Brie, but, uh, Brie, give us a little background.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, now that I think about it, every job that I've gotten has just been a cold reach out everybody's against cold calling. They're like, oh, I there's a, there's a support. lesson for
1: all the listeners right there. I <laughs> am horrible at cold reach out. I am atrocious. Uh, therefore that advice would never come for me because I just don't do it. Cause it's like a <laughs> gap in my knowledge Read up. And yes, I love hearing that.
0: You got to add value, right? That's all what it's all about. Um, anyways, so yeah, I started in digital back right after my space crash. I, uh, helped, Fans create really bad websites so people knew when they were playing. Uh, then Facebook, you know, kind of got that like really into the game and allowed fans to do more on Facebook pages. So I got really into Facebook. Uh, and one day, so I had just started college, uh, when I was starting with, uh, or working with kind of like this new startup that wanted to connect fans and promoters and all these things didn't go well. Like the, the company never ended up taking off, but I got a lot of really good experience. But when I was working with them, they said, Hey, would you quit college and come do this for us full time? And that's when I realized like, Oh, there's money here. Cause it was still at the time where everybody's like, social media is just a fad. Like it's going to go away. We're, you know, and wh- wh- how long ago was that? That was 2013. People oh, wow. were still saying that. I was like, okay, well, my parents would kill me if I quit college. So that's not going to work. But I did transfer. And like I said, I got a degree in social media marketing. Um, And while I was there, I was doing, and I did like five internships in college. I just wanted to know everything that I could. Right. Um, So I did that. I went and worked in the agency for a little bit after I graduated. And now I'm teaching and it's really allowing me to kind of like do my own thing while you know, getting a full time income and uh, benefits, you know, health insurance is expensive. Nice. Uh, so now I teach at the, the local tech college. I just started the digital marketing program there. So this is like the first of its kind, really, at least here in the Midwest. Um, and it's, go- it's going really well. But I also do consulting. I work with, uh, you know, quick. The, the people that you use to caption, I do some consulting for them. And just a bunch of writing. Like you said, I do a lot of writing for you, and that kind of opened the doors for me, too, to see that, like, actually I'm halfway decent at writing. I never really thought of myself as a writer, but it's been fun.
1: Well, and you know, in the note of the cold ask, right? So, and and for those that listeners know me pretty well, um, first of all, you did it via Twitter DM, which was smarter than sending an email because that goes into (laughs) Brian's great abyss of email. And I get the amount of cold reach I get on um, email is a lot, but I will also admit, um, I have like a tendency to turn Twitter DM notifications off during yeah. certain periods of my life. Uh, part of that is because I mean Twitter is my favorite network, but my the in slot of Twitter, not really spam, which is kind of refreshing in that space. Um, it's more of a whole lot of I, I guess asked without much research. It happens for me on right. Twitter DM, but I want to give the audience a little con- context here. So like August twenty fourth. Um, we went back and forth a little bit, October 12, uh, 12th. And you, you had seen me speak. And I remember you came up to me after, uh, Amy and I did like kind of our workshop. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought one of the things that was really interesting that you were talking about was like, Hey Brian, you know, you referenced, you know, an episode of my podcast. You talked about, Hey, that you connected here. You also talked about, you know, this idea that you have to kind of control your own path and you're in that space of figuring you know, out what you got. Yeah. Um, so like August, we went back and forth a little bit and then, you know, August 24th and then October 12th. So like a whole month goes by and we didn't do anything. Uh, you say, Hey, Brian, I would, you know, if there's anything um, I can help you with, I would love to you know do, do some ghostwriting. Um, I have some extensive knowledge on SEO. Just let me know. I of course fired back. I was like, Oh, I might be up taking you up on that. Um, and maybe let's think about something, but then it t- goes another month and a half. And then you nudge me again. I'm like, thanks so much for nudging me. Let's see what uh, we can do of course it disappears a little bit. Um, and then right after the new year, you're like, Hey, just following up one more time. And then that, I think, you know, for me, this is one of those examples, right? You said, you know, cold calling works, right. But being Mm -hmm. confident and determined, Hey, this is something that, you know, the amount of people that will say, Hey Brian, I want to collaborate and especially speakers and content creators. Good gosh. I mean, it's, it's, I want to collaborate. Very few follow up it's like, Hey, I would love to collaborate. Hey, I would love to do work with you. Um, and I thought for me, like, I, I remember that the the message you sent me just said, Hey, following back up on your SEO. And you gave me like kind of a quick overview. Hey, these are the keywords that I see for you. These are the things that I think that you could change. And I mean, I remember, I don't remember who I was with at the time I was with two other speakers and I was like, bam, two of us are going to do something together. Like I got to figure out, you know, do something. And, you know, and I can say, fast forward to today, you know, like, you know, you're the first person that I send like speaker reel and the branding on my website to. And I also think, you know, to your point there, and, and I think this kind of falls into a, kind of the topic we were gonna talk about on the show today, you know, there's also this idea of when I when I explain to other people how the how you know two of us are working together and things that you do, I feel like there's a there's a connection when you find someone that understands your writing and your background and your vision. Mm-hmm but also like the way to be able to push back and the way to to integrate. Right. Like, and, and I think I've, I've, um, unfortunately or fortunately, um, had a couple of assistants, had a couple of people that have come come and gone over the last five years as an entrepreneur. And part of it was like, you know, my habits are because I've worked for myself and I live in my own world. You kind of have to put up with my process or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> um, and, but there's also this element of like, you know, like, I think great partnerships, great connections are kind of fostered in the idea of like, hey, let's see where this goes and let's see how it, you know, how it goes from there. And I think even to the point of like the writing side, like I've always said like writing is a struggle for me. But right. this weekend, uh, you know, Jennifer, I was speaking at an event in Las Vegas. Uh, my girlfriend Jennifer and I were, were there and she looked over like three different times. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, writing a blog post. I was like on my phone and like in the yeah. notes section on my phone, I write, you know, paragraphs and pages of content that usually, I've seen them. I've seen them. Yeah, he knows it probably more so than anyone else. I mean, a lot of it is I've learned over time that I have to get things out of my head. Um, yeah. With my ADHD a little bit with my uh a little bit but with my, the way that I work. But also it's kind of like my, you know, my vision has always been like with press the damn button is that I'm going to manage expectations. I'm going to tell people like it is, right? Like I, I posted on Twitter a little bit ago and just said, Hey, um, I decided to create a speaker reel myself. I'm not considering myself an editor. I don't consider myself a professional, but if you would love to take a look at this unlisted video that I created over the last couple of days, um, I'm happy to share it. Right. And it was funny the amount of DMS I got within Five minutes was a whole slew. Oh yeah, and a lot of them they were like, "Dude, I can't believe that you were admitting that you're editing yourself and you're admitting that you're not a pro when people consider you like a video guy." And the other ones were like, "And the fact that you're asking like for advice or asking for help, um, like th- they they were beyond impressed or inspired by that, right?" And for me, like, that's who I am. And you've, you've right. seen that, right? And one of the things you called out last episode um, of the podcast, and for those that listen to it, you know, we talked a little bit about you know, digital future futurist in the sense of like, hey, this is where things are going. Um, I kind of teased out a little like the messaging and things that I really um, am trying to focus on, really the, this future-ready business concept rather than future-proofing your business, but one of the things that you jumped out at me and I, and I was funny because I said it on the podcast without any plan or thinking about it. Right. Like, and, and, and it's part of my, my problem sometimes is I'm like, I don't think of myself as a creative, but I, I, I love doing things differently to stand out and I I can create graphics and video and audio and content. And I do my own website. Like, but you know, like, there's these different pieces, but part of that was because like, you know, I, I just, uh, I, for those that hadn't, don't follow me on social. Uh, there was just this awesome animation illustration that someone in my community reached out and I will tell everybody, there's another example of just reaching out and doing it. I've had like 15 people tell me they want to do animations for me. Um, this person said, I want to do an animation for you. I found this clip in your, um, keynote. I believe it would have this effect. And this is all I need from you. And she had like two questions. And I was like, Oh, boom, boom, boom. And yep. sure enough, um, the amount of leads that I'm just giving her like for her business um, over the last 48 hours is pretty interesting. But the piece that kind of I wanted to tie back in here is that, you know, you kind of, you, you embody this as well. And I think we come at it from like kind of two different worlds is this idea that, you know, like we are most creative when we are creating, right? Innovation Absolutely. happens during, you know, like it's, and and I hate this adage and I don't know why I hate this adage But everyone's, you know, like I worked in the government and they're always like, you know um, you don't put the Lamborghini together while you're driving it down the road. Right. And I'm like, well, you don't realize that the Lamborghini, I don't know why we use Lamborghini. Let's use a Jeep. (laughs) Uh, I'm a Jeep guy. There you go. You don't realize that the Jeep wind dynamics is causing a whistling until you put it out into the real world. Right. And I thought like when you, when you messaged me about that piece, I was like, Honestly I didn't even remember that I said it on the show because that's just gonna hurt. But give me your take on that. like because you know press the damn button for me was first of all like a call to action for people just to stop telling me that I inspire them for years and start right. me that they do something. But then it was partially came into this idea where if perfection and control don't exist, then we might as well put some stuff out there. And the problem where I got pushed back or where I started to get scared on is I am a strategist at heart. I am data driven right. in all of the things I do. Um, I there isn't a thing that I post on social media that isn't strategically set, but I don't overly wait. And so, press the damn button. To me, sometimes when someone says it, I'm like, "Ooh, you you missed the mark there." I don't mean that you should just spew crap everywhere for forever. But when you hear like, you know, "Hey, creation," you know, being creative is driven when you are being uh, when you are creating. How, how, how did you like, li- how did you hear that? And how did, how did you kind of frame that for, you know, for, for what you think of, of this kind of flow?
0: So, okay. So you just said it flow, right? Like if you, and I'm not very creative either. And I even said, like, I never thought of myself as a writer, but what I found is like, once you get in that flow, like you need to sit in that flow. So if you're being creative, you need to stay creative and you don't need to force it when you're not feeling creative you had one of your most successful posts in the last few months was you saying, I can't create content today. Like, I don't know what it is, but I can't do it. Right. Right. And you need to, you need to listen to that. Right. Uh, And I understand this feedback that you've gotten on press the damn button. As far as, you know, we we live in a world where our timelines are flooded. I just saw it's like over 500,000 tweets are going out every minute. It's insane. And But there is a difference between putting something out and learning from it, and then instead just putting something out and letting it sit there, right? Right. So the fact that you're creating things and you're putting it out there and then you look at the numbers and you go, okay, this really resonated or this didn't resonate, or I put it out at this time and it didn't get a lot of reach. So maybe people weren't online then and I need to shift it, right? That's the strategist. That's the analyst. And and you need to sit in those times too right so right. when you're feeling very analytical you need to press the damn button sit in front of your computer and look at the numbers right so I so think, i think and i think there's
1: part of that goes into this authenticity conversation right because yeah. when i talk about authenticity and transparency and keeping it real right like i mean it's the compliment i get the most and oftentimes i struggle sometimes to figure out how to compartmentalize that because um. Yes. You know, November second, two thousand thirteen. I just decided, screw it. I'm gonna be myself everywhere and anywhere. I'm gonna wear my hats. I'm gonna say the things I say. Um. And I'm gonna do it because it's the easiest way for me, right? Um. And right. that's that's been my piece. But I've always believed that like being authentic and being strategic are are can be one and the same, right? But when I tell somebody that I'm you know I'm currently being strategic in uh, building a relationships with someone on LinkedIn, like there's four people right now that I've been building a relationship with for like seven months, they have no idea what my ask is. I have the ask built up for an event that I want to speak Mm -hmm. at in 2021, um, which is, you know, out there. Um, And it's funny because when someone's like, Man, Brian, I love the authentic way you build relationships. I'm like, Yeah. And I was like, I also do str- str- there's a strategic backbone behind it, right? Like and everything I do on social, although I love social and it's you know something that I really find a lot of joy in, I am a thousand percent doing it for business, right? Like there is not yeah. very little, you know, links to that piece of it. But I business to me is is a big piece of that. And so I love that you brought up that, you know, like being strategic, um for those that don't know, like I've Migrated my websites around and then I unfortunately lost my WordPress blog for that was, you know, um, updated 2013, um, which might be good in the long run, but um, during that time was painful. And I can tell you over the last three weeks or so, uh, Brie and I have gone through like, you know, what blogs do we have to re? re We Vamp or kind of uh, find on the web for me repurposing and put them on my website. And one of the things I realized was that, and it was funny. My first inkling when I was looking at all this content I have been creating since 2013, and mm-hmm. some of it has some really good like titles and photos. And then I click on, I'm like, oh, it's a it's a podcast episode, right? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, and funny, my first thought was, man, Brian, you sucked at creating blog style content. That would convey the message that you wanted to convey. And I caught myself when I said it and I was like, wait a second. The fact that I created uh, that I've hosted three podcasts I've done, you know, I've been a guest on well over 200 podcasts as a guest. That, that piece of that content was me pressing the damn button. And the the origin of the show came from an idea that I was like, I love podcasting. I struggle booking guests And I spent six months being like, I need to have an assistant. Help me book guests. I need to do blah, 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 blah. And then all I realized was that six months was just six months of me not helping or putting anything out there. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell the world and I'm going to, you know, you guys can go back and listen to episode zero of this show. I, I listened to it a couple of weeks ago just to give myself context. And you know, I said out of the gate, like, Hey, I don't know what day during the week, this is going to come out because I don't know my schedule, but you're going to get content and you're not going to see many guests because for me, that's not where this show is going, but you're going to hear me talking and I might go for an hour. I might go for 20 minutes. My promise is that I'm going to shut up and move on when I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to do it to an arbitrary yeah. number. Right. And, The show has had ups and downs, but it was funny because when I looked at like all the things that you had sent me, like if I hadn't, you know, kind of created or put myself out there all of this time and turned them into blog posts and and the way that I've done it, I would have had no content, right? Like, some People look at me as like a content creator, and like they like like, man, Brian, you're everywhere, and you have everything going on. Like, if I hadn't been this idea of, you know, what I'm going to create a podcast and I'm just going to kind of figure it out as I go. My content creation over the last six years would have been maybe three or four blogs a year, right? I think that's that's one of those bigger pieces too, because we don't consider ourselves writers or creatives, but when we start doing it in the moment, it allows us to kind of find our, our flow or our groove.
0: Yeah. So that reminds me of two things. One is this quote that I've been seeing everywhere. So I don't know if this is just serendipity or what, but- I've been seeing the quote done is better than perfect yep. everywhere recently. And I don't know if that's just because I'm seeking that, because I've got a few projects that I need to, you know, kick into gear and just do it. Um, so done is better than perfect. You're putting something out. But again, on the backside, you're learning from it and and what have you. And the second thing is that if you're putting content out and this uh, balancing act right where you have to say if I don't put this out what am I going to lose and if I do put this out what am I going to gain and kind of measure those two things out right so you talk about in the last episode you talk about like well I always worked with the overseas guys because it wasn't pushback that I was getting it was okay so what are we going to get out of this what is the risk right it's that and now you have to do that analysis if I don't put anything out for six months because I'm waiting for everything to be perfect, what is the lost opportunity cost there yes. versus if I'm putting something out that like at least I'm talking and I'm just going to shut up or put up, you know, like the, what, what can I gain from that? Right? So I think right. you have to kind of play that balancing act and really understand those two, those two sides of the, the coin.
1: You do, and I think you know. It's funny you brought up that quote. Done is better than perfect, and I, I think it's one of those funny ones because it, you know it's been a, accredited to about like forty people that have oh, said it. Everyone
0: and, has said like, it apparently. There's,
1: there's one that's like you know it's been in the uh, I guess in the Hindi um, r- you know writing since like being of time. And and the funny thing was like I had always I had always heard that um, my good friend Ted Rubin w- was one that kind of talked about that a lot. And it was always funny mm-hmm. because for me. I, I agree with the, the notion, of course, but there's also this element of like I don't believe perfect is an achievable um, right. goal. Right. And I, and I have this debate. I have a couple of good friends. Um, one of them is writing a book right now about perfection and how we it is something. So we have, I I love having people that that approach something different than me. It's definitely something I enjoy a lot. But that that quote I remember thinking about that quote before. And being like, what, what, and this is me being very self-aware now, um, I, and yeah. it's, you know, it's been a secret to a lot of my success at the moment, um, is that I remember listening to that quote and being like, wow, Brian, you don't ever try to create anything perfect. Like, what's wrong with you? And like, so like me, rather than like looking at that, being like, well, yeah, you're right. I should just execute. I was like, Brian, I haven't reached the level of creativity, of thought leadership, whatever it may be, to to believe that perfection was something that I was seeking, therefore that quote was like disconnected from like my like actual like vision, right. and then like now looking back, it was like it had nothing to do with the quote and the, and it's and it, a lot of that has to do with this idea of figuring out you know our swim lane, and and we both did this, and yeah. I. And I'll have like the weirdest segue you guys have ever heard on this show. And there's a lot of weird ones. Um, I was watching the Taylor Swift documentary last night. on. Netflix, oh, there you go. And I am a massive Taylor Swift fan. If uh, you guys didn't see my Spotify year in review uh, stuff that I shared out earlier this month or last month. Um, like I listened to Taylor Swift uh, and Ed Sheeran more than I listened to any other artists combined. Um, and the Taylor Swift documentary, I recommended highly. Um, and I don't care if you like Taylor Swift or not. Uh, the, the, the authenticity the it it, she's a celebrity that's very well off that makes you want to feel bad for her but at the same time you're like "Woe is me like oh are you complaining about your life and just give the documentary a whole shot because at the end it kind of ties so much together and it's like something that i um it's something that i relate a lot to at the moment but i thought it was something interesting for her is that like She made a comment on, uh, in the documentary where she said, and I loved it because, you know, no niche. uh, uh, She's like, she's like, as a, as a, uh, when you're growing up in the, in the writing, uh, or in the writing, song, writer, um, singer genre, um, you're finding your space. And then all of a sudden you're labeled as a singer. And the, the, the singers that find success, figure out what about their singing makes them unique. And then she said in like the next breath was that that is great, but it's also why most singers have a short career, especially female singers that they're thrown out to yeah. the wolves before they're 30. And she said for her, it was finding out what that, that main core was to her, but re- being willing to reinvent everything else around her. And she admits that in her early in her career, she reinvented because she felt she was forced based on media and all. Yeah. that. I mean, and man, during that documentary, made, like, I was just like, "Holy crap!" Is she right? And, and interesting enough, I woke up this morning and read a, a Tim Ferriss blog post where Tim actually um, highlights the eleven things that he wish he knew about becoming famous and the things that make his life pretty miserable in that sense. Um, and not that I'm like trying to advocate for that side but to tie it into what kind of we're saying like the done is better and and like i think this reinvention like i believe i believe reinventing yourself and tweaking and changing as you going you're going is essential and i will say that self awareness is the thing i wish i had at 25 um i was confident i was um very aware of what i believed i was good at or what i believed i liked doing uh, but i was not self aware uh, but at that same kind of notion is that you know this digital futurist piece right like 2012 2013 it was something that was labeled on me. I kind of shunned it. Right. I, I, I've adapted, you know, my business for the last three plus years has been only speaking as my main source of revenue, uh, which I've also learned is not probably the smartest thing to do either. Right. Having multiple um, th- pieces, but then evolving and adapting or reinventing myself um, in mm-hmm. this digital futurist light uh, to me is, is not only 2.0, but it's funny cause I'm like, it's not 2.0 for me. It's Brian Fanzo in 2020, right? Like it's it's that piece of like maturity and where you get. And like, and I know for you, you know, you're younger than I am. And, but you're also, you know, like family is important to you and and you have things that are, you prioritize in the way that you talk about them and deliver. Um, I also love that, you know, we both kind of have an approach of like, take it or leave it. You know, we both wear hats for those that, you know, know, it's kind of like who we are. Right. And there's just an element of that. But I, I look at it and you know, and I think when I, I would have heard reinvention a couple of years ago, and I'm curious for your thoughts. When I hear reinvention, I mean, wow, someone feels as though they're no longer important or they're, what they've been yeah. doing no longer works. They have to pivot, right? And yes. now when I hear that, I'm like, no, it's someone that is so mature and so dialed in that they're taking things to the next level. And man, it was like, I mean, I literally was like two o'clock in the morning watching this Taylor slip documentary. And I was like, th- this ties into so much kind of what we were talking about. Yeah. How do you, how do you look at that reinvention? Cause I know, you know, you write, you've done some writing for Moz and search engine journal. Of course, for me, uh, social media as a uh, degree, I can tell you marketing, internet marketing was not a degree available when I was in school. Yeah. Like, what, like, I remember when I had one marketing class, I hated it. It was the worst sales enablement crap that i had ever heard it's why yeah. I, I refuse to call myself a marketer how do you look at that because you're coming at it from a light where you went you went to school with social media as a degree i went to school with computer science business information systems um, but i wouldn't consider you someone that immediately dove into the field that is fairly you know innovative and new <laughs> um, in the sense of like you know having a degree you know It's something that you're now teaching, but how do you look at like reinvention and even reinventing of methodologies that you learned in school that you're now teaching as an adjunct professor?
0: So, so I think that the, when we think of reinvention, we think that we're, the hardest thing is that we feel like we're abandoning something. Right. And, and that's That's what, I like that word. Yeah. So that's, what's tough about you know and i know that there was some internal dialogue for you that was like okay i'm team no niche but now i'm going to label myself as a futurist like does that do those things compete against one another and it's not that you're abandoning that right it's like you right. said you're pivoting and pivoting is something that like you're saying you have to be self-aware to do and and it's just it's a way of growing reinvention doesn't mean you're abandoning something and you know, because it didn't work, you know, like Taylor Swift, didn't leave country music, because it didn't work. She left it because of, you know, all these other outside influences. And you talk about it in the last episode, too, like, you have to find what it is that you can do that adds value. For myself, I really, really love digital marketing. And I really love the numbers and like strategy and analytics of it. And it just so happens that I love it so much that I can break it down in writing, which is not something that I thought I would do. You said, I went to school for digital or for social media marketing. When I did, when I left school and I went to the agency and they were like, okay, now you can write social content. I was like, I hate myself. Why did I do this? This is miserable. I hate it. I do not like writing content. I'd much rather be talking to clients and explaining how all of this stuff works. Um, Which, which, there's
1: no degree for that, right? Like, I mean, like that—that is kind of that funny thing. That's because I remember I web design was my minor, you know, and business information and systems. And I got my first web design job, and I was like, worst job in the world. Someone tells me what to do. They critique everything that I do. And this is, you know, 2003. And I remember having that same feeling, and then like realizing that, like for me, what and I, you know, and I realized that my gift was translating things between. Yeah military groups now at the stage. And you've kind of found that as well, which I think is probably a, a very good, interesting shortcoming in the education, but it's also a maturity yeah. level that we have to kind of um, discover on our own. I think that's kind of probably where you're absolutely going, right? Because like you don't realize that you become a good writer until you realize there's a gap and I can fill this gap. And then all of a sudden right. you were filling that gap realizing, Oh wait, this actually works. And people are are connecting with it. Right. And I think, and like for me like if I would have went out to hire a good writer it would have never worked right like i mean like let's be yeah. honest i think that's part of this as well and i think that's probably part of that feeling that you had out of school too cuz it's kind of like wait a second i understood where and i love where this is going but this isn't exactly the role that i believed i was you know kind of setting myself up for
0: right right and and working at agencies so i was like okay maybe let's not do the social media thing like i let let me help you somewhere else and so i did get pulled into a lot of meetings and stuff to, to talk to clients. Um, but really, I I was doing um, Google ads, so Google ad placement and Facebook ad placement, and then some SEO as well. And, you know, i really enjoyed that. But I what I enjoyed was looking at it retrospectively, and then saying, Hey, this is what worked. And this is what didn't. And I think once you start to understand what it is that that value is that you add. Right. It, and then not, I think we're, we're kind of coming to this point in digital where it's like, I can do, I know that I'm good at strategy and analytics. So I'm not going to go out and say that I can make your website because that's not what I'm good at. But so many people, like everyone wants to be an all in one shop. Everyone wants to be, you know, what have you. But again, it's that self-awareness and that knowing what your value is and knowing that it's going to evolve, right? I'm not the same person I was in college and you're not the same person you were when you just got out of the data center. And so you have to make those pivots, right? Or else you are going to be, you know, non-existent in a couple of years. Don't you think it's crazy
1: though? Because, you know, as someone that's teaching, you're teaching at a university right now, um, everyone in there in your every one of your students has been told what do you want to major in because what do you want to become yeah and if we look at that as like to me the fundamental issue that it takes us years after college to realize that what we think we know or what we want to become even at 20 or based of our experience will evolve it might even go away right i've had i had this uh, one of the great questions i got this past week on stage was like you know, you love technology. You love marketing. You believe in the power of social media. Um, how would you answer the fact that I believe my job's going to disappear in four years? And I was like, the fact that you believe that and you understand that is a great place to be. And he was like, what? The guy like definitely expected. Yeah. I was like, I was like, cause you know what? There's a lot of people that don't realize their jobs going to disappear tomorrow because what yep. they're doing is so, and, you know, and it's was like, and, and I also kind of believe, I was like, do you have any idea what you want to be doing in four years? Like, and I think that's kind of this beauty of, uh, and and for me when when people introduce me on stage, it's so funny. I was doing the speaker reel, and like they're like, "Oh my God, the most unique background I've ever heard." And I'm always like, "Well, every person that I believe I like look up to, or or someone that I inspire to be, like they have a unique background. Like they've figured out things as they go." And, yeah. and that's not saying like the you know Michael Jordan got cut from his baseball team, and Oprah got told that she was never going to be on TV. Those are always like great things to think about. But I think even more importantly so is that, you know, the mindset that we instill and I, and I do this with my kids right now, like my 10 year old, like she, she's mentioned a couple of times, different you know careers or things that she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I always said, well, what is, what is the purpose you, or what is the thing you want to accomplish? Or she hates this because she's heard me say, it, and you've heard me say it more times. Yeah. What does success look like Chloe? Like what, why would you want to do that? And I, I'd explain what that meant to her. But for me, like I wish I knew that, mentality long time ago. But I also yeah. have, have interviewed a couple of people that are in their 50s and 60s that told me it took them to their 30s to get this idea. So it's yeah. not digital that's driving our self-awareness and our evolving, but I do believe the world we're living in today, we have much more access and exposure to the world and what's going on for us to realize that we aren't alone, and the opportunities are there, right? Like, if social media doesn't exist, the two of us don't connect, right? We don't right. work together. We've now met in person uh, multiple times. we we'll meet meeting again at the end of this month um, in San Diego. Um, for those that haven't got the gist yet from this episode, um, Bria is going to be a part of uh, the the new project that I'm working on uh, to kind of have this kind of conversation, um, but also to kind of call me out and, and to. You know, acknowledge even you know one of the things that I found really refreshing, uh, Brie, with you is that you know there's a lot of people that can be a fan of somebody or consume a lot of people's content, and get lost in their their way of hey, how do I how do I connect? and convey without alienating while also showing off my skill set right like like i when i introduce you to people like i guarantee they're like wow she walks on water parts the sea right like and and i and like part of it is this idea that we're like that we're working in right now and i think it's kind of what inspired us doing this episode at the moment was that when i hear someone like hey i was inspired by this being inspired by it is like is cool but Saying mm-hmm. what inspired you and how you're taking it is really the magic, right? Like it's, I, I, and I think this is that piece that really has bothered me. It's bothered me since press the damn button existed, you know, and it's partially, you know, like the book that we, that you've been helping me with that still has not got out the door. Part of it is this, and the last publisher I was on the phone call with, he was like, so, so your goal is to write this to inspire. And I was like, oh, I'm inspiring there is action within every one of these things. And if you took my intro as this was an only an inspirational book, I'm going back to the drawing board. And he was like, no, 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 no. But I I think that's an interesting piece too, because you know, you and I have talked about this. I've been a guest lecturer in about eight different classes, different universities uh, around the, I I just did one uh, for uh, Arizona state university. Did one for Madison, Wisconsin uh, end of last year. And I was like, Jump to the opportunity, right? This isn't paid. This is yeah. me being like, "Holy crap! I get to do what I wish I had as a student." But also, I would have loved to have someone like you that is dialed in, connected, but also has your own view. Like you've you've been doing a YouTube series, and it's funny when I watch your YouTube, um, your videos where you're sharing your thoughts. I think there's an interesting element of your the willing to give credit and and share where you find inspiration, but also convey your own message. And I can tell you, if I go back to 2012, 2013, and as I was growing, the number one answer that I always gave to what do you attribute to your growth, your success, your influence? And I always said, show you care, right? Show you care about others more than they realize that you care or that you should care. But I also feel like in the last five years, that's a little bit been lost, a little bit been lost because of the state of our country, the most divided yeah. country in the world. I mean, the uh, impeachment elections happening right now as we speak. How do you look from your point of view and even having a, a direct connection to the youth and the leaders of, of tomorrow? How do you look at this balance of needing to create to to inspire creativity, needing to convey your own message while at the same time showing respect and caring to others in a world that like, I don't use this excuse. I hate when someone says everyone on social media is selfish. And I'm like, well, everyone you follow sucks. Unfollow everyone. Yeah. Right? I'm like, That's I do they came up with the mute button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how do you look at that? How, how, what is your, what is your exposure to that? Cause you're doing it, but I can yeah. imagine it's not because you see a lot of people your age or in your profession doing that at all.
0: So what's really interesting and what I really like about my classes is that I actually have a pretty even split. I have about a third of people are coming straight out of high school. About a third of people took like that gap year or maybe did one or two classes and they're, they're like, okay, now it's time for me to get serious. And about a third of the people are actually like, in their late thirties, early forties. And they're like, okay, I finally have found something that like, I'm, I'm pretty interested in or they have their own businesses and they're wanting to grow them. And so the very first day I tell them three things. I tell them one, digital marketing is not black and white. I'm going to have a different opinion. If you were to go learn this from Brian Fanzo right now, he would tell you something completely different than I would. And that's because it's ever changing. So on that note, If you don't plan on learning every single day, you're going to fall behind and you're not going to be relevant, right? And so that and then so with that, you have to learn every day. I, I also try and convey to them, like, we're learning the foundations right now. Like, if you know that, you know, you have to be personable with people, you have to, you know, these are the different platforms you can be on. And this is kind of about how they all work. Um, you're going to be able to adapt with them, right? So I played, uh, competitive soccer for 14 years. I played at the collegiate level. And when my dad was my coach, everybody hated it because mm-hmm. we would start every practice with 200 touches, 200 ball touches. And we're like, we've been doing this for 10 years. I think I know how to trap a ball. Right. But he always said, if you've got the foundations right, you're better than 80% of the players, right? right. I'm sure you found the same thing in hockey.
1: Oh, without question. And I think that is such a great tie in. And it's so funny, my dad coached all of my teams. Um, and so we have you know, another one of those interesting connections. But it's also this idea of like, you know, the Kobe Bryant uh, thing really hit me hard. It's actually yeah. maybe one of like, the, it was probably one of the hardest weeks for me. Since I even went through my divorce, right? Like it was, yeah. And I couldn't figure it out. I I'm, wasn't a massive basketball fan. I was a massive Shaquille O'Neal fan, who played alongside Kobe. So yeah. I remember all of that. Um, I lo- I linked a lot of Kobe's life to my own life things. Like I could remember each thing of his milestone. I think that had to do a little bit of our generation connection. Yeah, but there was something like you know, the Mamba mentality and give a shout out to that, that mindset. But there was this idea when you, if you watch and, and like, I mean, I watched way too much documentaries and like things on Kobe over the last couple of weeks. But a lot of it was like, uh, and they, they said, like, so he he um, had three air balls at the end of a game in Utah in the playoffs, his uh, his rookie year, uh, and he kept taking the shot. And he he in and, and in his interview at the time, he's like, "I'm not scared to take the shot. When I miss the shot, I just take it again." And I'm like, "Man, yeah, I don't have that mentality at all." But then they said they landed at the um they got knocked out of the playoffs after that game um he of course is a rookie they have Shaquille and he have his, mm-hmm. they, they landed back at like three in the morning he went to um the gym directly to the gym and he made it his mission that he would not go home until he made 800 three-pointers and i was like this guy who just said he's not afraid to shoot and is so confident in who he is and what he is about when nobody is looking and he is a rookie on still running a high, who cares about the the three air balls per se, he mm-hmm. was going back to those fundamental basics and repeating them so much. So and you know, part of it's a commitment to yourself. Part of it is yeah, remind yourself like, Hey, this is where things go. And I love that you tied that into like marketing and where we're at. And like, even this idea, like, for this, so for those that are listening, we're, we're, I'm launching a new podcast. It's an interview show that I've been teasing for a long while. It's coming to fruition um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Brie is an integrated part of that, um, but part of it too was I've been studying podcast. I, I, I launched my very first podcast eight years ago. Eight years ago, right? Um, I started listening to podcasts a little over eleven years ago. I actually went back, um, like, into my Facebook and was like, figured out like some of the first. Yeah it because I'm a geek, um, and I was like, man, like I, I, the podcasting medium to me has been so insp- you know, inspiring for me. But when we were launching this show, and, and you know this, like I've reached out to, to experts. I've went back mm-hmm. to the basics. I went back and analyzed my own stats. I went and read my couple of blog posts that I had written a long time ago of like, what did I learn about podcasting? And yeah. was this idea that like, and, and I said this at the end of last episode. This idea that understanding what is new and what works today should allow us to go back and analyze what we've done in the past to either add learnings to it or be able to take from it and explode. Like for me, launching the new Brian Fanzo website with a new podcast on there that's going to have a blog on there, so many things that that we're like implementing are things that I knew that I needed to do in 2014. And I either did them poorly, like uploading full res images to my website and making my website, the least mobile friendly website in the the world. Um, Or a lot of these things that I, you know, and I can easily say like, wait a second, I'm launching a website in 2020 with a brand and a mission and a stage and a, a level of influence that I don't need to go back and, 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 look at that and you know like the thing I always hear is like well Brian how are you going back and learning from 2014 so much has changed and that to me is the answer right yeah so much has changed my ability to look at 2014 mistakes through a 2020 lens has been the best thing I've ever done right like and I think that piece of it is
0: so important but it's not easy it's not something we naturally do right well and to like when you, when you think about, so you said in the last, um, episode two, you were talking about how, you know, Twitter keeps coming out with these features, but for the last 10 years, anybody's, or everybody's only wanted an edit button. But it's almost like, like these people have a way of tapping into where we're going to be. So you always have to be thinking like, okay, so this is happening right now and it's kind of weird and we don't really know why it's happening. Where are we going to be in five years? And then five years from now, looking back and saying, okay, so what was going through their mind when they decided to release it then, right? When Facebook Live came around, people were like, what is happening? You know what I mean? And and so, you know, you can look back at like your first Facebook Live. What were we doing on Facebook Live other than recording our feet for the first 15 seconds because we didn't know, you know, what the heck we were doing. Um, so looking back at those things and seeing, you know, what did work, what didn't, and and what's different today. And how is that going to affect today? You know, I think these tech companies, man, they have a far better idea of where we're going next than most of us do. Um, those conversations, well, and they guide us, right? Like we, we don't really get too much of a say in that. Like we right. kind of have to adapt. Um, but I think, you know, it, it is a good balance of looking back and looking forward and, and knowing like, okay, so today I'm going to make this hypothesis and make this change. And then I'll have to look back and see, like, was there growth? Was there not growth? Um, and, and, you know, make changes because of that. And I think part of that, that under,
1: underlying element of this is, and it's a lesson that I feel like um, I've always had, but I never kind of, like, was able to acknowledge, was this idea that, like, you don't have to know exactly where you're going to right. know, where, like, who you are at the moment and how you're shaping yourself up to make that happen, right? And so for me, yeah. like, like, I remember thinking, like, like, so I had, like, the weird goals, and, like, one of them was, like, I was 16, I got a Jeep um, Wrangler, and I was like, you know what, my goal was to own a Hummer by the time I'm 35 years old. A Hummer H1 was, like, my dream vehicle. Uh, not great for the environment, I know, It's different. <laughs> um, and I took Good. a Hummer, and I glued it to the dash of my Jeep. And I remember... All the yep. Jeep fans are like, Jeep people aren't supposed to like Hummers. And I'm like, what? Like to me, none of that made sense. But the reason I yeah. use that as like a, a vision is that part of it was like, people are like, oh, it's because you want to make enough money that you can you know, own a Hummer. When I was like, no, actually, I want the way that I know myself at my core, money has never been a driver. Therefore, if by 35, I've set myself up to be able to execute on purchasing that vehicle, I know that I have been able to accomplish things that, you know, at, you know when I was 16, uh, 24 years ago, or, you know, long time ago, uh, was, sure. was, um, was something that, you know, like, I didn't know what I wanted. And so, like, the interesting thing was, like, when I turned 35, like, part of me was like, wow, I didn't reach that, right? But I also, you know, at that moment, didn't know I'd have three kids. I moved to Arizona. Yep. I would leave the U.S. government. I would go work for a data center company. I would give yep. up. Very high-paying jobs. Both of the jobs that I left made more money than I make today. Um, but because I, I, I even knew back then when I was 16, and I think this goes into like you know tech companies staying true. Was part of like the thing for me was that I wanted to make a great impact on the world, and I believed that I would never settle for anything that I believed limited my impact and my ability to. Create and and it's not change the world in like the the folksy way, but it's like, hey, you know, like I remember when I left the government and I didn't want to stay in that space. Like everyone told me no, but they also didn't understand at its core. For me, working with the military and the government that the active duty that I was working with was some of the best days of my entire life. But I also thankfully that I had that opportunity so that I could spread the message about that and right start to reach more people. And I think one of the things that I think we have to look at in this digital future and we have to look at it as we shape the youth, as we educate others is this idea of like, what do we believe? And mm-hmm. as long as what we believe at our core, and remember what you believe can change. I, I, and I'm also yeah. like the King of second chances. Like every sports player that I like has had bad things happen to him. Like I, I have like this connection and it's not because I believe I've always needed second chances, but I am I just believe that we've made everyone's made mistakes and the world evolves. Absolutely, and yeah. There's tons of things that happen. But I would say that like when your belief, when you when you stay true to your belief, you own your beliefs, and you recognize that there, there's lots of things along the way that, that are gonna change and adapt and influence this, you you can you can make this these pivots, these reinventions, you can innovate on the fly. Because you're going, you you know that that belief is making it there, right? And for me, like it's still funny because it's like, like I want to do 100 stages a year, and my goal is to sell out Madison Square Gardens and do an entire day long show, uh, a la like Tony Robbins. Um, And I know that I will accomplish that. Now I'm not putting a year on that. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about on that. Um, And in the same breath, I've said for a long time. I want to be the CEO and face of a brand. I'm very brand, you know, everything I wear, like I'm very brand affiliated. Um, and so like, for me, a lot of the the pieces are that, you know, like I found public speaking as a profession, not only accidentally, but I did it and didn't realize it was a profession. And then once I did, it was so foreign to me that I was like, well, that's not what I would be a part of. But it's interesting for me because I can say without hesitation that I will do this this type of role for the rest of my life, but I can almost guarantee that the message, the the way that I influence and the the way that I make money will not be the same a year from right. now, five years from now. Right. And I think right. that's that we sometimes get in that weird futurist moment where we see where things are going and we make assumptions that when we get there, this is how it's going to impact us today. And right. for me, I've never looked at it that way. I've always said, I will be different when the world is different in the future. Therefore, how I approach that will also be different. But so it's yep. important to study it. You know, it's why I love, tra- I mean, over the last 10 days for those, like, I have downloaded and read north of 30 trend reports or trend articles from sites and people that I respect. And a lot right. of it started from the sense of, I wanted to know, get a pulse of how other people were presenting this. And then it got to a point where I just started disagreeing with everything and any way that anybody put out there. And it didn't matter if it was a social media influencer to an analyst to a thought leader to, um, you know, even, uh, you know, like the big names, Joe Rogan and Gary Vaynerchuk put out one. And I found like one of the things for me that was the reason that was is because my belief in what the future holds is different, right? And I think that's something that two of us really resonate with. And you, you catch me with that all the time because. Like I pivot, I will. You know, we'll be doing something on this, and I, you know, and I will jump in a different direction. And it's all strategic. It's all analytical. I mean, the two of us. I mean, we, we run. You know, forward emails back and forth with Facebook ads and SEO. And yeah. But there's also an excitement to know that what we core believe and want to accomplish is the is not gonna not gonna waver, and we're gonna continue to evolve. that's
0: right. So I think the important thing there is like. If you know your mission statement and your values, the five-year plan doesn't matter because yep. that, that's going to adapt to the actual mission statement and values, right? The, the, the best advice I ever got was from Ryan Carter. He's the founder of Parachute Media and um, Camping with Dogs. They went like super viral a while back. He was on the Ellen Show, all these places. I went and shadowed him for a day. And I was like, if you could tell somebody starting a business, anything, what would you tell him and he said screw the five year plan because you're not going to know he said you're not going to know what your income is going to be you're not going to know all these things but if you know what you want to do and what you want to you know uh, work towards that will have to he was like you can make a one year plan and you might be kind of close but if you make a five year plan today that's not taking into account all the things that are going to change you know things are changing faster today than they ever have Right, so, but as long as you know your mission and your values and and what it is that that you're working for, you know you'll be able to make those those pivots and adapt well to the change I think
1: I agree, and I think it's hilarious right you now we're in February, and I can almost guess ninety percent of the listeners your your um new year's resolution has either been broken or you realize that like wait a second, where I was December when I was making that was in a world of holidays and family and pressure and weird things are going on. Um, and for me, like, like one of my like hardest lessons has been, you know, in my business, December, January, super slow, June, July, super slow. Um, having to adapt to that as a business is important, but also being not on stages and having to figure out different sources of of revenue during those times changes how I look at things, right? Like, and so I think it's funny that, I I love that you said that because I also think the five-year plan is coming from a place of where you are in that moment. And I, you know, and I I would, you know, I take everyone that's listening to this now as we kind of pull this episode together, um, is that, you know, part of it is like, Ask yourself, like, okay, in January, this was my goal, this was my resolution, these are the things I want to accomplish. Rather than saying, wow, I'm a failure for not doing those, ask yourself in that moment, what was the reasoning for these things? And right. over these last 31 days, which I can tell you, in my opinion, probably one of the worst Januarys of my good uh, lord. Like, not even my life, just like the world around us and like the yeah. diseases <clears throat> and people dying, and and it's just it's like one of those Januarys that someone posted. Like they feel like this is January was an entire year, and, yeah. But I think we can we can approach that, and that's how I look at like. And I think that's to me the most important value. And I think you know, you you do a great job of of pulling this out of me a lot of times. Is you'll quote something or you'll say, Brian, you said this better in episode thirty three or something. And it's funny because like someone you know can be like, well. Like, screw you for saying that, or like, oh, thanks for acknowledging I said it better in the past. But then, like, what I go is, like, ooh, what was my mindset at episode 33? Where was I at in my life? Yeah. Where was my at, like, in my jadedness for the marketing world? Or, like, you know, like, there's so many of those things that go in. And so, for for you guys that are listeners, you know this podcast isn't going away. We're gonna uh, keep plugging away with FOMO fans and, and curing your your digital marketing digital world of FOMO. Uh, but with the new episode, part of what uh, I wanted to include is Bree. You do a great job of challenging me, of questioning things, but also um, looking at things through a different lens. So as I bring on guests. And some of these guests um, have known me for 12, 14 years, um, which is kind of interesting because the social media world doesn't Mm -hmm. really know them. Um, You would know them based on job descriptions like SVP of Salesforce and uh, Wells Fargo, uh, you know, senior vice president. There's some really cool rules that I'm going to have in here. But part of it also is like me bringing these people in is a lot of it is like, hey, I want to connect because I know that connecting with them when when I originally did was so important. But I also am really excited to hear your take on conversations that I have with these with these leaders and what you take away versus what I take away and what you're like, well Brian, you said that, but like that's not and so this is gonna be a lot of fun for me because I think, you know, part of the world we're living in now, and I say this all the time as far as empathy goes, you know, we all can say the world needs more empathy. And I believe we start by sharing ourselves and allowing people to be empathetic towards us. But on top of that, we also have to allow other people's opinions into our world, right? When we talk about the mute button and follow button, I mute and unfollow hate. I do not mute and unfollow people that disagree with me, right, like, the, like right. so much of, like what do I do? I just, like, I've analyzed 30 trend reports now. Like I got more excited when I realized these were things I did not agree with to keep going on, right? Because it, it, I was like, wow, I, I look at this so differently. I needed to, to do a little bit more research on this. And so I'm excited for that because I can honestly say I believe the segment that uh, that Bree is going to do with with me on this show, on the new show, is going to add an empathetic feel to it, to that podcast episode, and that's kind of kind of our goal there. And so I'm excited for this uh, this piece of it. I I'm really excited for people to get to know you a little bit better. Um, of course, we'll put links and show notes and all that stuff in my feed. Um, if you're on Twitter or if, uh, YouTube, we'll make sure I put your channel there as well. Um, but this is something you know, like the the future of, is an exciting element of figuring out together how we're all making this happen, and I think this is a, a start of of people being able to see things through a different lens and different light, and and like we said, maybe just analyzing things that in your past and figuring out what you can do differently now that you are different.
0: Absolutely, and I'm so looking forward to it, and really appreciative that that you're going to bring me on because. Yeah, we've we've been having the conversations anyways. And like you say, if you're already gonna do it, might as well video it, right? For sure. And you know, yeah. on top of that too,
1: like you said they started off the show, you know, like you all so much of your success and things that have happened is because of cold reach outs, right? And my good my good friend Phil Jones, who I've talked about his book a million times, um, you know exactly where to start. He has a book, know exactly where to sell. And so much of the principles of that book comes down to a simple concept of like, you're guaranteed not to know if you're not willing to ask. But there's also mm-hmm. this element that we're living in today where asking and delivering and evolving and being able to kind of stay part of the the ask over time, I think, is part of the beauty of this, right? And, you know... I, just to put it out there to the world, and I know this usually happens, and then I get like a whole bunch of asks like out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> what I can say is that um, don't not don't. Hey, if you have an ask, ask me. Like I hey I'm, and I will tell you, I reply to everything across social media. Um, you know, faster than I do email, of course. But even even another piece of this that I think is is an, an exciting element is that you know the idea that together we are better, together we move the needle forward. We also are living in a time where I believe great people are doing great things and you are not going to be discovered unless you're putting yourself outdoor out there or telling or making the ask yourselves. Kudos to you, Brie for doing that for those that listen to this and you're looking for uh, a path to follow, someone to be inspired by um, and even someone to take um, lessons from. This will be even a, a fun journey on that because um, I can guarantee you if Bree asked last year, uh, hey, Brian, can I be on your podcast as a co-host? I'd be like, get in line between behind like 40 yeah, right. hosts with me, right? But I approached you with this ask, right? I said, hey, this is something that I believe you would add value and I appreciate your insights. I also um, you know, appreciate the amount of things that you've been giving to me and kind of on this journey. And that, to me, is the beauty of the world we live in. It's the beauty of the futurist mindset. And it's also the beauty of different walks of life, different parts of the world, different backgrounds, different missions. But together, we, we share a lot of the same passions, a lot of the same purpose. And uh, we also aren't afraid to uh, call it like we see it. So, uh, Bree, I love that you came on this episode. Uh, this was your idea last week. You were like, hey, there's some things I want to call out. We, I wish we were doing the after show um already and i said well why don't we do that next week to that point we we create and we drive creativity by creating my friends we she that was literally the reply and i could have said well don't worry we'll cover this topic on the new podcast instead let's do that next episode and the benefit is all of you got to to meet and connect with brie if you don't know her already and have a lot of fun on this uh this episode so brie thank you so much uh you rock my friend um, make it a great day. Of course, you'll be the one that's pulling this all together in a blog post that you guys all read. So um, yep. guys, look forward to that uh, and look forward to the new podcast. We'll drop more information on that. I know I'm being, I'm so bad at keeping secrets and not teasing things too, <laughs> but I'm refusing to do so until we, we get a little bit closer here on this. But uh, for Brian Fanzo, for Bree, we get a great day, my friends. Cheers.